It was the year 2015. What a year. My high school, senior year of high school, 2015. And it was a normal morning. I drove myself and my siblings to school and parked the truck. Walked inside, went to my homeroom, was talking to my friends, and that's when it happened. I heard someone say, hey, have you seen this picture of this dress? Have you seen this picture of this dress? It, it changes colors. It's, it's so crazy. It's black and blue or it's white and gold. I don't know. If I, I realize if you have no clue what I'm talking about, you feel so lost right now. <laughs> I did not realize it then, but the next week of my life was going to be utter chaos. Just chaos. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So this picture, this picture of a dress was taken in Chester, England. And it made its way all the way to Savannah, Georgia, in a small high school called Calvary Day School. Is the dress blue and black? Is the dress white and gold? And I don't know, but within minutes, my entire high school was split into two teams, two sides. It's just blue. And both of these teams, this, this high school was split in half, and there was just pure hatred for each other. If you would disagree, if you disagree with me, I hate you, you're wrong. And why? I mean, why did the dress drive so many people crazy? Why does it still drive me crazy? I don't know. Well, it's because it's not comfortable when something changes like that. Right? It's not comfortable when there's something that just doesn't stay the same. Whenever something is constantly changing or someone is constantly changing, you don't like it. It's not comfortable, is it? And when something is constantly changing, the integrity of the thing is questioned. So the integrity of this picture was beginning to be questioned. There's two pictures. It's, it's not real. There's, there's one of this black and blue dress. There's another one of this white and gold dress. It's all fake. It's a fake thing. It's all fake. It's not real. People are just going crazy over this stupid picture of a dress. You just can't trust something or someone that's always changing. I want you to open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. Verse 6. We learn something about God from this verse in Malachi. And what we learn about God in Malachi 3.6, it should maximize our trust in Him. It should maximize our trust in God. Many people fail to trust God because they fail to understand Him. They fail to understand His character, His nature. Some people believe that God behaves just like people. Some people think that God can change. Well, he can't change. God is immutable. He is unchangeable. And if you don't understand this truth about God, then it can be very difficult to trust him and to take him at his word. So let's read Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, For I the Lord do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. 
Understanding God's immutability. Understanding that God does not change. He cannot change. It's crucial to having a high view of Him. If you want a high view of God, if you want to, to have a high view of Him, then you've got to understand that He cannot change. He never changes His person. He never changes His plan. He never changes His purpose. Everything else changes. Everyone else changes. The world changes. People change. Culture and society, it, it changes. Creation changes. But God remains the same forever. God is the only real, permanent being in the entire universe. God cannot change for the better. And God cannot change for the worse. Because if God could get better, that would imply that he is not currently perfect. And if God could get worse, that would imply that he is capable of being imperfect. He's not. He is perfect. He will always be perfect. He will always be true. So tonight, I want, I want you to know that you can trust God. You should trust God and you should be comforted by his unchanging character. So here's point number one. Trust God's unchanging nature. God doesn't ever change. His nature is unchanging and you need to trust him because of it. God's immutability, it makes him trustworthy. It makes him the most trustworthy being in all of creation in the whole universe. Even your closest, most trustworthy friend does not come close to how trustworthy God is. 1 Samuel 15, 29 says, And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not man that he should have regret. The glory of Israel is a name for God. It's a name for God that means he alone is the glory of his people. In other translations in this, they will say not that God doesn't have regret, but it says that God does not change his mind. He doesn't regret anything. He'll never regret anything. He'll never change his mind about anything because he's unchanging. He's the same for all eternity. His character is the same. His word remains the same. But mankind, you and I, we're constantly changing. We're always going through changes. We change our minds. We change our personalities. We get weaker. We can get stronger. We can get smarter. And we can get dumber. We get older. Unfortunately, we don't get younger, but we do get older. God is unchanging. Psalm 102, 26 and 27, it says, They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away, but you are the same, and your years have no end. God is always the same. God will never change. He will never end. Everything created by God eventually will perish. Everything created by God will have an end. But God himself, the creator, never changes in any way. Psalm 103, 17 
but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. His love never changes. His character never changes. His righteousness never changes. It says his steadfast love goes from everlasting to everlasting. That's forever and ever and ever, and it does not change. It will not ever change. Hebrews 13, 8, talking about Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Always the same. Never changing. From generation to generation, he will forever be the same. And this goes for all of his attributes. This goes for everything we've been talking about the past couple months. He will always be sovereign. He will always be loving. He will always be omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He will never be different. He will always contain all of these attributes for all of time, forever. You should trust him. I want you to think about the person in your life that you trust the most. Think about the person who you trust more than anyone. Why do you trust them? Because they tell you the truth, probably. Because they're honest with you, because they're kind to you. They've earned your trust. They've shown you that you can trust them. They act the same around you as they do with others. They're, they're not just kind to your face and then make fun of you behind your back. God, though, should be trusted above all else. Think about your most trustworthy friend. God is so much more trustworthy than even that. Because even our friends, our most trusted friends, they lie sometimes. God can't lie. It's not just that he doesn't. He can't do it. So God should never lose your trust. You don't have to worry about God changing. You just don't have to be concerned about it. Sometimes you can be concerned about friends, about, about people in your life, and you can be concerned that they're going to change. Maybe they start to change their habits or their attitude a little bit, and then and you start thinking, oh no, I hope they don't go down that road. I hope that they don't change. I hope that this doesn't become a permanent thing. I hope that I don't lose them as a friend. Maybe that's happened to you before. Maybe you've lost friends because they've just changed. We don't have to worry about God changing because he will never change. God describes himself in his word as a rock. He's rock solid. There's verses all over the Bible that describe God this way. And it pictures God's immutability as a sturdy rock. I don't want you to think of just like a little rock. I want you to think of a mountain. I want you to think of a huge, immovable mountain. That's God. That's his immutability. Not a pebble or a small stone, but a mountain. Exodus 17 says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. Starting this, this picture of the rock. Deuteronomy 32 says, The rock, his work is perfect. He is perfect. He is unchanging. He has no flaws. For all his ways are justice. Only God is, is stable, truly stable. Only God is truly enduring until the end. He's constant in changing times. God is our rock who never moves. Psalm 62, 2. 
He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. David knew that he could remain strong, remain firm in uncertain times because God is secure like a strong rock. That in the midst of his changing circumstances, in the midst of of his trials and his problems, he knew that God would never change. That God's love for him remains the same. That he could go to God and he could find comfort. That God was never going to leave him or forsake him. That he was remaining. That he was always there. That in any situation, he could run to the loving hands of God and he would meet him there. He didn't have to worry that he would show up and God wouldn't be there. Because he's unchanging. Because he's immutable. You can trust God because he is your rock. He will never change. He will never move away from you. If you are his child, he will always be there. You can trust that he will always be there for you to take refuge in. People always vacation to see mountains. You guys like mountains? I'm assuming you guys enjoy seeing mountains, right? Have you ever gotten in the car to drive to go see a mountain and been like, hey, I hope it's there when we get there? (laughs) You don't think that, do you? Because you know it's not going to move. It's a mountain. You know that people can't move it. You You don't have to worry that someone showed up last night and picked it up and moved it away. It's still there. It's always there. God is our rock. He is our immovable, unshakable mountain, immutable, never changing. You never have to worry that he's going to change, just like you never worry that the mountain you're going to see is not there, that has changed. Now, along with God's immutability comes something known as his impassibility. And these go hand in hand. Could have split them up, but I didn't want to. Immutability and impassibility. This means that God has ultimate self-control. God is not provoked to any emotion by the actions of his creation. You and I, we can be provoked to have emotions. You've ever been made like really angry by someone? You've been provoked to anger? You've been provoked to sadness? You've been provoked to something? Well, God is impassable. No one or, or, or nothing will provoke him to any action. God cannot be emotionally controlled or manipulated by humans. God doesn't have mood swings. So you can see how these are very closely related. You don't have to worry that God is going to respond differently to you one day than the next. Maybe you know people in your life who just have crazy mood swings. Maybe you have crazy mood swings. You need to work on that if you do, but... One second this person is smiling at you, and the next second this person wants to kill you. People can be this way because we are easily changed. We're easily affected by what's going on outside of us. Our emotions, our feelings, our attitudes, our moods can be changed quickly depending on what's happening surrounding us in our environment. And people like this with mood swings are difficult to trust. It's difficult to trust someone who's constantly going through these crazy mood swings. 
when you see this person today, oh no, yesterday they hated me. Are they going to like me today? I don't know. It's hard to even have a relationship with that kind of person because you can't trust that, that person. You never have to worry about God being this way. God is impassable. God is not simply just responding or reacting to what's happening. You don't have to worry that one day when you've sinned and you, and you go and you confess your sin and you repent, then he's going to freak out at you and tell you, I hate you now. Get away from me. I, I, I don't want you anymore. He's not emotionally manipulated by anyone or anything. You know that he is constant, constantly, he's, he's the same. Now, God, he does have affections. People can take this and they can mean, well, then he must not have any feelings. He must have no affections. Well, he does have affections for his people, for his children. He's not stoic. He's not a robot. He has grief. He feels anger. He rejoices. He feels compassion. Just think about when you read through the Gospels. Think about the things in the life of Christ that you see. All of these things, grief, anger, rejoicing, compassion, he felt but God is not governed by something or someone outside of himself. He's emotionally stable. So when he has grief, it's simply because he has grief. Because he planned to have grief. Because, because he's God. He's unchanging. He's not affected by you and me. That's a good thing. You should be comforted. You, you should trust him because of this. I mean, can you imagine how, just imagine for a second, how terrifying would it be if God reacted to our actions the way that we react to others at times? Have you ever just lost it on someone just for no good reason? Like someone did something that just kind of upset you and you just lost your mind. You just took out all the anger that you were feeling on them and then afterwards you're like, wow, I, I really should, I have to apologize. You ever done that before? You've been there? Imagine if God was that way towards us. That you never know how he's going to react. You never know how he's going to respond to you. If God was that way, we'd all be dead. Like We wouldn't be here anymore. We don't have to worry about that. Because in his immutability, he is impassable. God is unchanging. We don't have to worry about these things. So we should trust God. You, sh you should just trust him because of his unchanging nature. Now look, I'm sure that some of you are thinking to yourself, he said that God never changes his mind. But I'm pretty sure there are some verses in the Bible that say, literally, God changed his mind. If you're thinking that, you're right. There are verses that say that. And we have to take this and we have to reconcile. Well, what, is, what does this mean? If he doesn't change his mind, then what do these verses mean? It's a great question. Here's an example. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, it says, the Lord regretted. But didn't we just say that he doesn't ever regret anything? It says, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. So here we have a verse that is saying God changed his mind about something. That he regretted this and he's sorry for doing something. God's heart was grieved because of the sin of mankind. And that makes sense because God is holy in nature. 
So of course he will be grieved by our sin because he's holy, he's perfect, he hates sin. In this scenario, you have to understand it's not God who changed, it's man that changed. So what's happening here is that God is choosing in verses like this to reveal himself to us in an accommodating way. In a way that we can understand, that we can follow the storyline of Scripture, that we, we can just get it. And it this, this word, it's a big word, it's called anthropomorphism. You don't have to know that, but that's what it's called. It's a way for finite humans to understand the infinite God. Here's another one, Exodus 32, 14, it says, And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Relented is another way to say he changed his mind. Moses begged God to change his mind from judgment and God compassionately says that he will have mercy. So from our perspective, in reading this, from our perspective it looks like God changed his mind. But in reality, from God's perspective, he did what he had always intended on doing. Because he doesn't change. Because he's immutable. His mind never changes. And you are able to trust God because he is unchanging. You should have confidence in him because he is unchanging. He's the only constant in our lives. He's the only thing that is truly constant. He's our rock. He will never lie. He will never take back his word. So God's character never changes, and if his character, if his nature is unchanging, that must mean that his word is unchanging as well. His word never changes, and since his word never changes, you should always believe what his word says. Here's point number two. Believe God's unchanging word. Believe God's unchanging word. God is always consistent with his word. Numbers 23, 19, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So first of all, how comforting is it to know that God will never tell a lie? We have so many verses over and over that say, God will never tell a lie. He will never, ever lie. Every word that you read in the scripture is true. Every word of God that you read in scripture is completely true. Every prophecy of God has either come true or it will come true. There's no doubt about it. Every promise God has made, he has kept and he's currently keeping. can believe his word to be true because God only says what is true. Only says what is true. So God will never change his mind. He'll never take back something he said. You don't need to worry that, that the end that God describes in Revelation, you don't need to worry that it won't happen. You need to believe 
God's word when it says that he is victorious, that he has the victory. You just need to believe it because he said it. And that's it. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You never have to worry that God won't keep his word. If God has saved you, you should never worry that he'll decide to unsave you. You will be brought to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you will step into eternity and you will be glorified. You will be in the presence of Christ for all eternity. You just need to believe what he says because he only says the truth. So whenever doubts come to mind, whenever you struggle with doubting, did God really say this? Is this really what it means? Just just tell yourself it is what he means. And I know it's hard to believe because feelings feel so real at times, but you just need to believe it because he said it and he always says the truth. He never changes. He's never changing so he can never lie. What he says will always come to pass. So you have to believe his word. God never needs to correct himself. He never needs to edit what he said. There will never be a time where God decides to add to his word, where, where he decides, you know what, that's actually not as correct as it could be. I'm, I'm going to correct what I said there. You never have to worry about that. His words are perfect. His words are true. His words are permanent. Matthew, eight, uh, Matthew 5.18 says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke will pass from the law until all is accomplished. The smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet is called the Yod, or the Yod, which is a tiny little mark that looks like an apostrophe. Teeny tiny little apostrophe. And the smallest stroke is called a tittle. It's this small line, a tiny little line on a Hebrew letter, and then it differentiates one letter from another. Every truth spoken by God, down to the smallest letter, the smallest little pen stroke, will come to pass. It will be brought to complete fulfillment. Every word is true, and it stands forever. Similarly, in Luke chapter 16, verse 17, it says, But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Heaven and earth, think about this, heaven and earth, all creation, it's more likely to just disappear than for one single word of God to fail or to be proven untrue. So you need to believe his word. You need to believe what he is saying is true. You can't say that for anybody else's word. I don't care how trustworthy the person is or how trustworthy you think you are. You can't say that about your word. It doesn't even come close. It's easier for the whole universe to just disappear than for one single letter of God's word to fail. You've got to believe his word. His word is, is trustworthy. I had a friend growing up who he seemed to have the most interesting life ever. You know people like that where you, everything they say you're just like, what? That's, that's so crazy. Like, that's so interesting. I mean, this kid would disappear for a few days, 
And he'd come back to school and be like, yeah, no big deal. I was at the Super Bowl. We'd be like, you're lying. And he'd have pictures to prove it. Like, dude, I was there. I was at the Super Bowl. And we're like, all right, cool. He would tell stories about what he did over the weekend. This is like middle school, keep in mind. Like, oh, yeah, I drove my parents' car over the weekend. It's crazy. Like, dude, shut up. You're lying. He's like, no, I got some videos. Prove it. Like, I I did this. I was there. He'd tell a story, right? You know, I'd get into tr- he'd get into trouble. He would, he he always had these other friends that none of his friends knew, right? He'd be like, oh, I was with this, this guy and this guy and this guy. Like, you don't know them, but we were, we did this crazy thing, and we we're always like, whoa, dude, that's crazy. Like, you have such a cool life. I'm like, yeah. He would say these extravagant things, and he always was sure to have like this way to prove it, right? Well, uh, one day. His whole world came crashing down around him. After knowing this guy for for almost 10 years, I mean, he got found out. This dude was just a liar. He would go through these great lengths to to prove that he was doing these things, but it it was was all fabric. It was all a lie. It wasn't real. I mean, it it really, thinking about it, it's possible that like 90% of what he said over like nine years was just lies. I mean, at that point, he had lied about so many things that I was like, dude, I don't even know who you are. Like, I've known you for almost 10 years, and I don't know you. Like, what is wrong with you? Realizing the truth, it it, it made it impossible to believe anything that he said. Even the smallest things, nobody could believe him anymore. No one's going to believe anything you say because, because you got found out. It was like any time he opened his mouth and I listened, I was guarded. Like, okay, he's trying to manipulate me again. He's trying to lie. Like, I just couldn't believe anything that he said anymore. And honestly, to this day, it's difficult to believe the things that he says. Well, look, it's comforting to know that you don't have to worry about things like this with God. You need to believe that his word is true. You don't have to worry that one day your whole world is going to come crashing down. You're not not, going to wake up one day to find the news headlines like the Bible is false. Like it's not going to happen. Proven false. Nothing like that will ever happen. God's word is true, will always be true. Everything he has said in his word will come to pass. Like we said, it's harder for the universe, it's easier for the universe to just disappear than for one letter of his word to be proven untrue. So his word is always true. He will keep his promises. He will never take back what he has said about anything. So when you read the word of God, you need to be convinced that what you're reading is true. That he's telling the truth. That everything in it is true. Everything will come to pass. And that nothing in his word is incorrect. It will always be accurate. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. God's word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It will never, ever change. Times, cultures, societies, all change. You've seen the way that culture has changed just since... Maybe it's just since you graduated high school. Even just, even just a couple months ago for some of you. 
It's always changing. But God never changes. His word never changes. His word will never morph into something different. It will never change over time. And his truth should be comforting to Christians. Here's an example. One of the most comforting verses in all scripture, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This promise is true. And it will always be true. So when you read this, you should believe it. You should not question it. God will never take his word. He'll never take something like this and then decide it means something different now. So if God's word never changes and its meaning never changes, that implies that there is one correct way to interpret Scripture. And there's many, many incorrect ways to interpret Scripture. Now it's easy to stand by 1 John 1.9. It's easy to stand by that verse and say that that's what it means. That's what it means. Confess your sins. He is faithful and he's just to forgive and he'll cleanse you from your unrighteousness. It's, it's, it's not hard to stand by that. But there's some verses in scripture that at sometimes can be more difficult to stand by. Like this, John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. In culture today, even inside the church, don't want to hear that, right? Don't want to hear that verse. They don't want to deal with God's wrath because it makes them feel uncomfortable. It makes you squirm to talk about God's wrath. Talking about God's wrath doesn't fill churches today, does it? Here's another one. Talk about culture today. Leviticus 18.22 You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Culture today doesn't want anything to do with that. They want the First John 1 John 1.9. They want all this. They want all that. But they don't want any of this stuff that we're talking about now. They'll say, no, 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 that doesn't actually mean that. They'll jump through so many hoops to say, that doesn't mean that. The meaning is different. The meaning is different now. We, we are more enlightened now than they were back then, so now we're correct. Now we get the meaning. What it really means is it, it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't, you shouldn't lie with a male, right? So they'll say it actually means a child that's a boy. So, so people will say this isn't condemning homosexuality. It's condemning a grown man of sleeping with a child. So let's say, you know, if you have a holy, monogamous, homosexual relationship, that's fine. You can see where they've taken the meaning of God's word and completely changed it. But if God's word remains the same forever, you can't do that to God's word. There's one interpretation, there's one meaning that it has. People will try to twist God's word to mean whatever they want it to mean, but the truth is... Like I said, since God, God's word never changes, it'll never be different, it'll always be true, and it will always have the same meaning. So when you hear people say, oh, we figured it out, it means something different than we, what we thought for the last 2,000 years, that should be like alarms in your head, like this, no, whatever you're about to say, I don't need to listen. 
there's this video going around on Twitter um, of this guy named Andy Stanley. Now, look, I, I don't, I'm not saying his name because I'm, I, like, I don't, I don't want to get attention for this. You know, I'm not, I'm not after like clickbait or anything. Okay, like that's not. I'm telling you this because like you just need to be careful because this is out there. All right, there's this guy. I've said his name already, and he's teaching his church in this video, and he says things like this. He says, to be a Christian, you only have to believe that, the, that, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John are reliable accounts of actual events. You catch that? To be a Christian, this is all you really have to believe, that they are reliable accounts of actual events. And then he says this, God's word is not the foundation of our faith. In the same video, he says, there is no single modern view of inspiration, inspiration of scripture being God-breathed. He says, there is no single modern view of inspiration that is essential to following Jesus. It gets worse. Then he turns to his church and he says, you guys are the smartest Christians in America because you attend this church, right? He's saying, look, this is new. We're figuring out this new stuff, and because you're eating, because, because you listen to me, you're the smartest people out there. Red, like, red alert, that should be like, get out of there. And then he says this. Listen to what I'm about to say. He said this. When a specific view of inspiration is elevated to the status of doctrine, the Bible becomes an obstacle to faith for some. So he's implying that there are errors in the Bible, that the Bible is not all true, and that you don't even have to believe that God's word is true if you want to be a Christian. He's saying, let's stop making the Bible an obstacle for some to come to faith in Jesus. I don't have to say much more for you to understand that that is messed up, that that is so backwards. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because God is unchanging, because his word is unchanging. And if those things are true, then you should always believe his word to be true. You should believe his word to be his very word. And the second that you start to give in to culture and you start to believe the things that this pastor are saying, when you, when you start to think that you don't have to believe his word is true, that's the second that you open the floodgates for all kinds of needless difficulties in your life. Because then you're going to start to question the line between righteousness and sin. You're going to say, well, if the Bible isn't true, the Bible isn't really his word, then how am I going to know what's good and what's bad? What's, what's, what's righteous and what's sin? How am I going to know? How do I know? How do I know this is really sin? Then you're going to start to do this thing where you pick and choose what parts of the Bible to follow o- over others. Right? You're going to say, oh, 1 John 1, 9, oh yeah, I want that, but, but I don't believe anything it says about homosexuality. I don't believe anything that it says about any type of sexual immorality. You can't do that. You can't pick and choose. Because if God is unchanging, then his word is unchanging. And if, word, if his word is unchanging, then it will always be true. 
And then whenever you start to, to get in this frame of mind, you're going to start to question God's integrity. You say, God, can I really trust you? How, how do I even know if I can trust you now? Are you really good? Are you really loving? Do you really have everything under control? And before you know it, there you are, and you're doubting the trustworthiness of God because you've forgotten the fact that he is unchanging, and you've forgotten all the implications that it carries that God is unchanging. You need to trust God. You need to believe his word because of his unchanging nature. And I want you to sense the comfort that his immutability brings. He won't change. So trust him. He will not change. So believe his word. He will not change. He is our rock. And I think it, it may be obvious to you that God's immutability is, is one of his, what we're calling his incommun incommunicable attributes, meaning that we can't be that, we can't be perfectly immutable like God is. But Christians should strive to imitate this characteristic of God the best we can. So here's point number three. Emulate God's unchanging character. Now look, of course, you are going to change. You're going to go through changes. I mean, really, when you think about it, the highest goal of your life as a Christian should be to become more and more like Jesus every day. So, so yeah, you're going to be changing, and Lord willing, you're changing, and you're becoming more like Jesus every day. But you're going to get older. Hopefully, you're getting wiser with every passing day. You're going to gain strength, and one day you're going to lose your strength. One day you're going you're, you're to be gaining knowledge and then you're going to start to lose the knowledge. Your desires will change. Your interests will change. So many things about you are going to change and it's not necessarily a bad thing. But in some ways, Christians should be trying to imitate this attribute of God. So just as God's character never changes, your character should be the same no matter who you're spending time with. No matter what group of friends you're hanging out with, you should be the same around all of them. The way you're acting here tonight, you should act this way Friday night, Saturday night. Your character should not change. You should have high integrity. You shouldn't be a hypocrite. God's word is very clear that being a hypocrite is sinful. Don't be double-minded, right? You shouldn't be a person that's always changing their mind back and forth and back and forth. The Bible says if you're double-minded, then you're not wise. Back and forth between decisions, beliefs, things like that. Just as God is trustworthy, Christians should be the most trustworthy of all people. People shouldn't have a problem trusting you you say that you follow Jesus. You should be known as a truthful person when you speak. People shouldn't have to doubt if what you're saying is the truth. If when you're talking, people are constantly going like, no, I don't believe you. Check yourself. There's a reason why they don't believe you. 
Never allow yourself to become a person who stretches the truth or who hides the truth from others. Never be the person who doesn't keep your word. Christians, we should be the people who keep our word. We should keep our promises. Don't make promises you can't keep. When you say you're going to do something, follow through and do it. People need to be able to take you at your word. They should be able to believe you and not doubt what you say. You're going to talk about that more in small groups, and I'm sure it's going to be a good discussion. Um, I'm thankful for my dad for lots of reasons. I love my dad. He's my best friend. But one reason in particular why I'm, I'm thankful for him is that when I was growing up, and, and even now, I never had to guess how my dad would respond to me in a certain situation. I never had to guess how he was going to treat me or how he was going to respond to me. So as I grew up, I knew, I learned that if I did something wrong, my dad was going to discipline me. And that was it. When I did something good, when when my dad was proud of me, he was going to tell me, hey, I'm proud of you. He would express it to me. He, he He would say he's thankful for me. When I needed help, he would respond by helping me. When I messed up, when I needed advice, I knew that I could come to him and I could say, hey, Dad, I messed up. I need help. And he would respond lovingly. When my dad told me that he was going to do something, I never had to wonder if it was actually going to happen. Never. If he said he was going to do it, I just knew he was going to do it. When he made a promise, I knew he would keep the promise. When he said he was there for me, he was really there for me. I can trust my dad because he's the same. Right? He, he's just the same. He was going to treat me the same. He was going to respond in the same way, and that's comforting. And as much as I trust my dad, as much as I trust him, and, 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 I, and I get comfort because of his character, right? and as much as you trust the most trustworthy person in your life, We should trust God so much more. And we should be comforted by him so much more. All because of his unchanging nature. Let's pray. God, thank you for being the unchanging God. God, thank you for the fact that we can trust you, that we can take you at your word, that you do not change, that we don't have to worry about you changing ever. So thank you for the comfort that it brings us. I pray that we would all trust you more in light of your unchanging character. God, and in the ways that we can, I pray that we would emulate your nature in that way that we would be people who keep our word, that our character would be unchanging, that our words and our actions would honor you all the time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.